Welcome to the Cosmic Goodie Bag here on Dash Talk X Radio. I am your host, Carla Cherry. Thank you for joining me. We are delving into the supernatural world, interviewing game changers, authors, ufologists, mediums, sacred sight junkies, even pet psychics. Why am I doing this? Sometimes it's the red pill. Sometimes it's the blue pill. Sometimes you just slip and fall down the rabbit hole and you get a timeshare there. Our mission is to expand our consciousness and find some personal power. Do you want some personal power? I'm tired of watching superhero movies. I want a little bit of that for myself. My guests have studied ancient texts, researched the supernatural, and so together, let's figure out what the heck they're talking about. Strap in. Here we are at Conscious Life Expo. We have just seen Linda Moulton Howe, who is right here. Um, Welcome to the Cosmic Goodie Bag. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. And I'm glad that there are more and more people who are coming with microphones and podcasts. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea from my point of view is the most valuable thing that can be done today is to spread Mm -hmm. facts Uh, hypotheses and questions that we're not alone in this universe, our government knows it, and that it is so way past time for the world to be sort of kept dumb and blind, I think it's a fair statement, and that it is conferences, television, podcasts, there's so much that's happening now in which the people are saying, I don't care what the government says. I think what you're saying makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. than uh, the government having a policy of denial and saying, no, no, there's no ETs, there's nothing here, go away, mm-hmm. there's nothing to see. Today, you talked about many things, but one of the things that you talked about was um, the Harvard astronomer, chairman, yeah. talking about this object. So yeah, tell us about that. And when when was that discovered? And what is he telling everybody that that is? I think it was September of 2017. And it was an astronomer in Hawaii, who first picked up this object as it was headed toward the sun. That's why they called it Oumuamua. And that means in Hawaiian, like a scout of a military operation, who's it's in advance. That's what Oumuamua is. You would think that if an astronomer in Hawaii announces to other astronomers, we have an interstellar object for the first time headed for the sun, that every telescope on the planet would be... the, The official current record is that nobody got a photograph. You're kidding. I don't believe it myself. A lot of people don't believe it, but this is the official story. And so anything you see on the internet are, it will say, artist illustrations based on computer data. Wait, so what was it exactly? Well, I think it was in 2018, I know I did these interviews with Avi Loeb at Harvard. It took several months for them to calculate and then they were astonished when we, when the headlines finally broke about Oumuamua, the, the whole thing about approaching the sun, none of us knew. We, we were completely left out of the loop. When this object that is illustrated because they did, and that's the question, if they didn't get photographs, on what basis were they having mm, illustrators? Good question. <laughs> and they said there was no spectroscopy about what it was made of. I just don't believe it. But it was long. This was not a huge object. This was more 
that you would put into a craft role. Here's the part that separates it from anything astronomical, and this is why Avi Loeb at Harvard has been writing paper after paper saying this is a, a craft. Mm. This was an old craft. And, I, and he's the chairman. He's chairman of the uh, Harvard Astronomy Department. I think he has been given a briefing. Mm. That's what I think. Well, he, here's, here's the fact. You can look this up. You can see animation. Now astronomers have animation because the whole thing is just so astounding. It is coming in toward the sun. They can't see any ice. They don't pick up anything eventually. They, they had some data. That's why I don't believe they didn't have photos. Mm -hmm. Then it does suddenly a hairpin. You, you'll see the, the animation. It is just a hairpin. So it comes in like this and then this really tight angle it's coming in at 57,000 miles an hour here, and it leaves at 96,200 miles an hour. On a hairpin turn. 57 to 96. Wow. Now, how is that possible? And so Avi Loeb, one of his papers, he worked with an Israeli physicist, and they did a calculation based on what they knew or estimated about the mass, and they they're saying it's impossible. It's impossible. There had to be added energy mm -hmm. that was coming from something that was not, uh, because it didn't have ice on it. And comets will sometimes, uh, they'll have gas that starts getting warm as it comes mm -hmm. to the sun, and they'll accelerate, but not from 57,000 to 96. So I have a question. And in my whistleblower, in Spartan 1, the Navy SEAL, that mm. I'm going to show here tomorrow. Right. They have inside information from the National Security Agency that the National Security Agency sent out a craft, got to Oumuamua, determined that it was a derelict spacecraft. Wow. And we're not told. The whole planet is not told that we sent out a craft. It's crazy. And the head of the Harvard Astronomy Department is the one who keeps putting out all the papers trying to say, this is the reason why I think that it is artificial. And then he gets lambasted, mm. even though he's chair. Oh, he got oh, lambasted. He's been lambasted. Oh, my God. People are saying he's crazy? Oh, yeah. There have been scientists who said, what is the matter with him? And he keeps coming back and saying, I'm not going to shut up about this, which says to me, he got a briefing, he knows, and he's, he has decided he will commit his role as the chairman of the Harvard Astronomy Department That's awesome. behind Oumuamua. We need more scientists to come forward and say these things because, it, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and, and uh, she was studying science and she said metaphysics is not a science. You know, that's what she's told in, in, in academia, that it's not a science. And I thought, okay. Um, so I have a question. You're, you have explosive information that you're going to be talking about tomorrow, which I'm super excited to go to. You gave Good. us a little taste today, and you were saying um, that you have an insider, a Navy SEAL insider, and that you, they have found craft in Antarctica. Not craft. Oh, what is no, it? No, no. It's was uh, first uh, discovered by ground and ice penetrating radar about 20 years ago. 
And with radar, you can see structure. You're not going to see designs like this, but mm -hmm. you will see structure. You will see shapes. Mm -hmm. And they were able to identify that there were, he thought that there were half a dozen of B6, each one 62 acres. What is it? Huge structures made out of black basalt, carved with thousands of hieroglyphs and symbols. When the seal went down there, his job was to, ex what they call extract, take out an archeologist who had been there photographing every symbol. And the scientist said, I'm not leaving here. This is the most amazing thing, and none of us know what this is, the language. What is basalt? From volcanoes. Oh, so it's and, a... And it is one of the single most hard substances on Earth. So you can't carve oh God. with any instrumentation that we have? No. So you can't carve the symbols into it. So this is something, just like the pyramids, like we don't know how the rocks got up there. This is one of those. He said that the conclusion was it had to be a technology like a laser mm. that would be thin. The, the carvings went in seven centimeters into this dense black stone, which is about three inches. And a lot of the symbols, he said, were eight to 12 inches high. So you're talking about carving thin, mm. complicated, into black basalt three inches, mm. covering vast sections. Imagine mm -hmm. putting thousands of symbols in granite. But the structure is huge. Yes. Uh, another seal, separate from the one I'm going to show tomorrow, said that he'd been there uh, three times and that there was a section that they went into and the ceiling was 80 feet. 80 feet. Covering a square city block, a room the size of a square city block with ceilings 80 feet high and not a single support. He said, this is well, all in ice? What is this in? A cave? No, yeah. <laughs> no, were you listening? Antarctica <laughs> is huge, right. size of the United States. This particular area, and me talking about when could these huge structures have been built? Yeah. If it's before ice, the only date we have right now is 34 million years wow. ago. Okay. So if they're 34 million years ago and they were made by extraterrestrials and all of this stuff was carved, why would anybody in government be wanting to keep that from the world? Okay, so that's question number one. Right. The ice, they're on, they're on the ground. The, the bottoms are on land, not ice. It's two miles of ice above. The, the, the ice in Antarctica ranges from one to two point, I think it's 2.7 miles. Wow. It's, so what makes this even more impossible for everybody to understand, you've got all these 62 acre structures. 
that are on a land base covered by a huge two miles deep of ice, you would think that the pressure of two miles of right. ice would crush anything, even wow. black basalt. Further, if they're 34 million years old, why would they have power? Why would you be able to come in in a submarine and get out and the pressure be absolutely perfect? Imagine what the temperature of the water is around Antarctica. And they get out of the submarine and they're going into a hallway and it is averaging, uh, uh, he said, averaging 69 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. They come into these big, huge corridors, and as they move, it's as if the walls, the ceilings, everything is reacting to their motion. Really? Light coming on as they go, glowing, glowing a strange green color. Then they come to this section on, near one, on the other side of one of the doors. Here are all of these glyphs. And he said, talking with the archaeologists, that they were there. They wanted. They were supposed to take him out. And the archaeologist said, "No, I've got to stay here." He said it was just endless. These glyphs carved, but they, they, they don't have any. They don't know. It's not. It's not like you can say this is this on Earth. They don't know what the antecedent is. So that's why they were doing all the photographs and studying and comparing to Mayan and to Sanskrit and all of all different languages. And he said that the the thickness of the walls they were able to measure ranged from 18 feet to 30 feet thick. Wow. Exactly. And that when they came to his experience at the first door, because they'd been given briefings, he said, you just touch with your finger. And it moves. And that there was technology of some sort on, like if we're facing and this big, huge thing that is a door, and there were these dark things, top and bottom, on the far left of this massive door, and that they knew it was technology. They had no idea how it worked. And they would just put their finger, I don't know who taught them, just put your finger on it. But the touch, the touch is what activated wow. some sort of software in the whole door. It's called self-activating software. Oh my God. And then it just opened. Well, when they got in on the other side of that door, that's when he turned around. And here is carved this huge circle with the line, there's 12 coming out and they do a, they come straight, first 90 degree angle, second 90 degree angle, 12 of them, and that is the black sun of centuries. What wow. is the black sun of centuries? World War II, Hitler. Hitler used the black sun to represent the Nazis. And the flag was the swastika, both very old, very ancient symbols on Earth, maybe related to the people who built all this stuff in Antarctica. That's the question. If it's 34 million years old, and you divide two, because we're only two million, Homo erectus, you didn't have any standing up primates before two million years ago. So put two million over 34 million, 
so it's this this would be an age 17 times wow us and that is the conclusion that that's what's two miles down in antarctica what's wow. the tie with i mean why why the black sun i mean why what's the tie in with the nazis hitler lifted it from ancient history. The 20th, 21st century populations only associate the black sun with Hitler and the Nazis. Mm -hmm. it's, it had been on Earth for a long time. Mm. He just picked it. But why did Hitler pick it? And why is it on the, we'll call it the inside side of the doors in these deep underground places? And then, a mathematician sends me this illustration by a physicist at Purdue University that if you take electric charges and you accelerate them at the speed of light, they form an electromagnetic field that goes into a perfect sphere. And when the physicists draw that, illustrate it, it looks like a black sun. Oh, my God. And that's what I'm working on. Wow, and the Navy SEAL came to you and... and No, he was introduced to me through a Marine. It's so complicated. The, the, um, the, the heavy-duty people who have come to me um, have either heard me or seen me, and the Marine uh, contacted me and said, I'd really like to be able to talk with you about Antarctica. Uh, it is the most amazing place on the earth and nobody knows. And that led uh, to, like, that email came January, I think it was 2nd or 3rd in 2015. It wasn't until April of 2016 that uh, I was at a conference uh, in the Midwest. and. After I speak, I usually have, oh, it can be 20 to 50 people around me. Like me. <laughs> well, people ask me a lot of questions. <laughs> and this man, in all of this chaos, he just leaned forward and said, I'm, and it was the voice and the email, oh, or wow. the, the name and the email. And that was a seven-hour discussion. And in those seven hours, he said, one of my colleagues that I have done special ops with is a Navy SEAL, and you need, you need to talk to him. Wow. And it took from April of 2016 to July of 2018 to get that done. Wow. And then... I had to do the video, backlight, arrange for editing later, voice alter, mm -hmm. to protect them. Wow. And... He's a hero, though, right? To me, yeah. The people who would say, well, they're never supposed to talk if they've signed non-disclosure agreements. We're, we're never going to know the truth because mm -hmm. the governments are never going to open it up. It's these guys. And they, if, when you're around them, they are so 
this seal he makes you he makes you feel proud mm. about american training of something like seals uh to become a seal it is classified as the single hardest military training on the planet mm -hmm. over any country and a lot of the men just don't survive they 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 just they can't mm -hmm. make it at all so anybody who becomes a seal to begin with let alone somebody who is assigned to go to antarctica to look at ancient architecture they are made of something that is completely different than 99.5% of the rest of us. They are really extraordinary people. And I've, I have one on video, I know another one who's admiral. Mm -hmm. And you just, they emanate something that's extraordinary. And then on top of it, uh, they are so infinitely polite. Mm. Every, everything about them, they can kill you in 10 seconds. <laughs> they can. They train. Yeah. They know how to kill anybody in 10 seconds. Right. It's, it's, it's a kill zone right here. Mm -hmm. And you, you know that in a way, a seal is like a lethal weapon yeah. in the form of a human. They're technically, they technically they they are. Do it. Yeah. And therefore, when they are kind intelligent, respectful, calm, mm -hmm. penetrating, you know that their, their minds are really, they, I saw this with this one guy, well both, both seals, they come into a room, anywhere you are, and they are environmentally aware of everything wow. because they've gone through all that training. You, they become situ, it's called situational awareness and they train for it if we all did it if we all were approaching life that way we would probably notice a hundred different things uh, every single day that we don't see so you're with a completely different mind a completely different body a completely different person why did he come forward? the marine asked him the, the but he thinks me. it's 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 oh, really it, important was, for us to know. He, he said, "If these are millions of years old, why isn't the whole planet being told?" Yeah, I mean, that's how I got into the stuff is because when I started reading and I started and I Earth Files, I read yeah. your stuff, and I'm just like, you know, and thank you so much for doing all the research and all the work because that takes a whole lot of time. It's very difficult. Let me tell you. <laughs> It's 18 hour a day, seven days a week. I mean, that's that's insane. So thank you for doing it thank because you. now I can just pay a subscription to Earth Files and read all of your work. Um, so yeah, really, just thank you for that um, because I felt the same way. Like, wait a minute, what? All this is going on. You start reading about Admiral Byrd going into Antarctica. You right. know, in the 30s. In the 30s. And then when the the rumors that when he went in there on Operation High Jump in, uh, was 1940, Operation High, 45? Mm -hmm. uh, and the story was, the New York Times wrote, I still have the old articles that were written, uh, about how uh, Byrd was describing that there was 
land and trees and vegetation. It made the front page of the New York Times. And then they were supposed to be there for six months and they came back in three. And the rumors that came with them is that something came out in the skies. And that's when he said, made that strange sentence that uh, the next war we will be dealing with things that can fly from pole to pole. Mm. That was Admiral Byrd. So have you had contact yourself? Not with anything that I would know was a non-human. It may have happened, but I, if they're camouflaged in human bodies, how would we know? Um, I have seen many weird things in the sky. And the strangest of all was 1986 in Aurora, Colorado, suburb of Denver. And I came out of a bank building from a meeting about doing a film. And the sun had set about 30 minutes before, and so the Rocky Mountains were silhouetted by this orchid light, and there was a thin moon. And as I came out of the bank, all I was thinking was, oh my God, how beautiful. That's wow. all I was thinking. It was like an aurora light. It, it, it was just the Colorado in the winter. This was November. It's just the sky turns an orchid that you don't see anywhere else. That's all I was thinking, and I'm walking toward my car. I had a leather briefcase that hung like this. And the next thing I know, I'm going between cars, and something made me spin. And my briefcase hit. It hit hard. Really? It's, yeah, it swung out from me. And as I turned around, I didn't know, I didn't know what is, what is this? And instead of seeing anything around me, I look up and above me, the whole sky was blotted out by something that had the shape of a boomerang. And it had countable, you could clearly see five layers and I uh, asked a pilot, I said, it looked like if you had two hotels that were, came together at a corner like this, two hotels with, they were five stories with some kind of structures on the outside. The front of it was like five story buildings. And then that narrowed way down and at the end, the end of the boomerang, each side, they look like facets, like a quartz crystal. And that the facets, it wasn't like that it was crystal, it had the quartz crystal facets. Oh, wow. Um, and then in those five layers were geometric patterns. There wasn't a smooth part of this. It was, had patterns all over it, and I couldn't, I couldn't draw it. I couldn't tell you. I wasn't looking at circles. I wasn't looking at rectangles. I wasn't looking at any of the Plato uh, five solids. That was what was so astonishing. That and it made no sound, and it was so low that it took up most of the sky. Wow. And it was moving about like this. That big, no sound. I'd have to do this with my arms. This is how big it was above me. And I just stood there with my mouth open. I mean, I literally was stunned. And 
I kept trying to absorb and understand what am I looking at? And that was really one of those educational moments that you can be in the presence of something that doesn't fit into anything that your brain knows where to put it. Mm. And then you understand when you interview people and they say, well, it was sort of like a triangle, but this, 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 and you know how difficult some of the phenomena is to mm. describe. So, Did anybody else see it? Was it like a moment between was, you and that craft? It was so odd. It was 6 o'clock in the evening. That The bank was huge. Cars everywhere. And not a single person there but me. Wow. That was meant for you. I, I guess. I guess. Um, and what are the boomerangs? Remember there was a book written uh, about all the boomerangs back in New mm -hmm. York. At the, and J. Allen Hynek was still uh, alive and contributed to the book. And these boomerangs were flying the Hudson Valley in New York. Constantly, thousands of people reported. Uh, there were police, everybody, and there was a whole period. Well, I was in Colorado, not New York. What are they? Mm. That's the question. That's the question. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so crazy to me is that so many people have seen so many craft, so many things, and it's still not widely accepted that we have visitors. Because the government wants to keep it a secret. Yeah. And it's now gotten to such a point where the lies are so concocted, the lies are so provably false. Mm -hmm. There's so many people, whistleblowers in military, who talk about their firsthand experiences with non-humans. Right. This has gotten to a preposterous place. I, and I don't care what the reason was during World War II that the allies said, we can't tell the world. This is 2019. Mm -hmm. Trump is talking about a space force. Mm -hmm. Remote viewers say there are friendlies, hostiles, and neutrals. They obviously know a lot. And it just enrages me that we are kept in the dark. They're the ones that are not telling the truth, and they have not been telling the truth since World War II, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you go back other centuries. Mm -hmm. When you go back to Egypt, to Greece, to Samaria, all of the Mesopotamian cultures, the Akkadians, the Assyrians, you get back to the Anunnaki. What intrigues me is that it's growing evidence mm -hmm. that the Anunnaki were probably full-bore uh, extraterrestrial blood mm -hmm. from someplace else that settled here. Mm. Why is up for debate, but that they, these were not uh, ancient humans. Why are they hiding it? Well, you know, if you go back that far to the Anunnaki, you would say two plus two equals four. What's logical? If they were involved with making us, which is the implication of the Anunnaki, that mm -hmm. they were the genetic manipulators who created humans, mm -hmm. it would mean they never wanted their creation to know that they were extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. 
they wanted humans to relate to them as gods, and we would do this. Uh huh. And that's where the corruption, the fraud, for reasons that had nothing to do with the truth, mm -hmm. may have begun. So in many ways, mm -hmm. if you just go that logic, mm -hmm. they were false gods. So they wait, were never gods. So the Anunnaki came from another planet, came here, and you're saying that they created us and they wanted us to be like their slaves? To work in the mines. Now we're getting to the work of Zechariah Sitchin, mm -hmm. a French author who's done a book on the Anunnaki. Um, both defined through looking at the cuneiform mm -hmm. and doing translations that the Anunnaki came from Sirius via Mars, via maybe Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2. And so that they would have been one of the prime intelligences that got to Earth and they needed something here that could do work for them. So we've been, humans have been slaves from the beginning. That is one of the arguments. I would put it into a hypothesis category because I don't think any, any civilian human has proof. I think our government mm. inside of NSA, CIA, DIA has lots of proof. And they're the ones who say, uh, I had a meeting in December of 1999. He was a man uh, who was retiring from the Defense Intelligence Agency. They have overseen going out to retrieve craft retrieve bodies from, could be pretend crashes uh, that ETs would say, uh, we can put technology in their hands without scaring them if, if we do it as a crash. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of suggestion. So the DIA has been in on this since um, going back at least to the 50s. In Who's the DIA? Defense Intelligence Agency. The big ones are Central Intelligence Agency, they were the first formed by Truman in 47, followed by the National Security Agency, which has been dealing with communications and eventually satellites, and today uh, they listen to everything. Mm. What do you mean, they, they listen to everything? They listen to everything. You think they listen to everything and everyone all the time? I mean, do they have that manpower? They certainly listen to any of us who are doing the work I'm doing all of the time. So you, so you feel like you're being tapped, and how are they listening to you? Oh, I don't feel. I've, I've had my phones uh, investigated numerous times. When I lived in Denver, when I lived in Philly, when I was in Atlanta, I'm in uh, Albuquerque now. My phones have, from the time I did A Strange Harvest, my phones have been tapped. And I have lived with it as, okay, and say it out loud, I am supposed to be a born and bred American citizen protected by the Constitution. And as a full-time professional journalist, I'm supposed to be protected by the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I have to live until something happens in this country that somebody stands up and says, the Constitution is shredded there are no more constitutional rights, and you're going to jail for talking about ETs. So do you think censorship is starting to tighten up right now? 
I think it's going both ways. I think that the Trump administration has actually stirred the pot so much that a lot of reporters, myself included, I want even more than I ever have mm. to keep going forward as best I can and tell the truth about a completely different reality than our world has been shoving down uh, dumb and blind humans for maybe 12, 15, 20,000 years. So, what is the humanoid aspect? Well, a humanoid, anytime that word is used, means this. this is a, Our suit. This is a humanoid-shaped body as opposed to round, square, okay. triangular. This is, this is humanoid. Okay. You could have a humanoid with scales. That's what they talk about, humanoid reptilians. Uh, you could have uh, a humanoid that is an insect. Mm -hmm. it, they are, have insect characteristics, but they're in a humanoid shape. How many species do you think there are, or the, do we know of? The only credible document that I have ever read from the government was for the briefing for Ronald Reagan, March 6th to 8th, 1981. He had been elected. Uh, and he was sworn in January 20th of 1981. And he was taken to Camp David. This is true. What I'm telling you is all true. He was taken to Camp David March 6th to 8th, 1981. CIA, NSA, DIA, there were five or six people doing the briefing. And he, the man that he had uh, just appointed to be the head of the CIA was mm -hmm. conducting the briefing. And they told him, we want you to know that we have a problem. We are dealing with other life in the universe. The CIA told Reagan. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do today is show you documents. We're going to show you and break down certain things. And they get to a section, and they said, Mr. President, there are five different types. There are Ebens, extraterrestrial biological entities. They have heads shaped like a pear, as opposed to a pointed chin. The skin is gray. Uh, they do not wear slanted black lenses. They have almond-shaped eyes. They made, with genetic manipulation of hybridization, the next two species in the list of five. The, the grays made the next the two? The Ebens. The Ebens made the next the two. The Ebens made the next two on the, on the list. Wow. And they are associated with, goes into, and they took this group to, a to the Lyra constellation in a solar system. I mean, this is all in the briefing for wow. Reagan, everything I'm telling you. And uh, then the fourth was a heploid. It went Ebens, Archeloid, um, uh, Quadloid. The Quadloid was four fingers. Um, then Heploloid. Nobody knows what the Heploid is. They don't break it down. 
It could be tall whites, is my guess. The fifth, trontaloid, T-R-A-N-T-A-L-O-I-D. You try to look at I've looked at it in Greek, in Latin, in Hebrew, and I, I <coughs> quadloid is four, four fingers. Um, but why the, why the uh, trontaloid? What what are the names to our intelligence agencies? It's very interesting because they don't make it clear. But the interesting thing is is that the tronoloids at the bottom of the list, the briefers say to President Reagan, the tronoloids are hostile aliens. They are insects. They are a thousand years in advance of us. Uh, they would like to... Uh, destroy us, and they are among us. They are able to camouflage themselves among us in blonde-haired humans. Do you think you've ever met one? I don't know. But just think about this. If this is a real briefing for a president of the United States in 1981 about five extraterrestrial groups, what did he do? Oh, he said, well, should we have war plans? Uh, and uh, the, the CIA director went to one of the assistants, and the assistant said, sir, we have uh, war plans and defensive plans on every possible. And I thought, boy, I'd like to know what all those possible reactions would be with ETs. When you take that date... 81, he's in the White House. And you go back to uh, three years before, 1978, I believe is the year that Steven Spielberg's mm. Encounter came out. Uh -huh. And it's about abductees, the Devil's Tower, people obsessed with making mashed potato Devil's Towers, and the very end scene, you have all these orange-suited NASA types and they get inside of the big UFO to go to their planet. Um, there was a, a period where I tried. I got a hold of a Steven Spielberg's secretary. Oh, wow. He was in Europe working, and I said, um, I would really like to interview Steven Spielberg for his side of the alleged conversation with President Ronald Reagan in the White House when they screened Steven Spielberg's film, wow. Encounters. And she knew exactly what I was talking about. There were people there who said they heard Ronald Reagan say to Steven Spielberg, there's only three or four people in this room, like you and me, who know how true the end of this movie is, which was astronauts going into a UFO to go to their solar system. Mm. That's how it is. So how did Spielberg get the information? Well, I would assume that the CIA, NSA, DIA, and all of their associated, if Steven Spielberg expressed interest in doing something about ETs, they would say, here's a perfect opportunity now to get out things that we know are true, but it would be in a fiction film. Why is that important to get out what 
I mean, because they, you see that a lot in movies. Like, oh gosh, this is really real. This Matrix, this is really real. Why, why is truth hidden in fiction? I think that the government of the United States, after World War II and everything that they went through in their rapid learning curve about UFOs, ETs, advanced technologies, they were scared to death. That the day the Earth stood still was the first CIA test of the public reaction to a robot and an extraterrestrial coming out of a silver disk and telling the world's leaders mm. that they were here in peace, but they were not going to allow any atomic bombs. Oh, you're talking about the movie. The movie was, a, we know this for a fact now, it, this is a historically documented. The Central Intelligence Agency in 19, well, it would have been before the movie came out, they wrote the script, planted the script. Um, in Hollywood, there are all kinds of companies called cutouts, and the cutouts get checks from the CIA or the NSA, but largely this, that was the CIA. And then a movie gets made in Hollywood, and the CIA has a whole program mm. to see what the impact is with the public. That was the day the Earth stood still. Go back and see that. It was environmentally sensitive. The robot and the extraterrestrial, their highest concern was the environment for this planet. Atomic bombs would not be allowed, and they demonstrated their power by shutting down all of the electricity in Los Angeles. Wow. It, and that was 51. That was 51. So last question, do you think that there are ET species that are excited that you're doing this? What an interesting question. I hope so. <laughs> Please keep me alive, strong and healthy. I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't want to do anything else. I just want this to crack open. What would that look like, though? I mean, what's the perfect scenario for disclosure to you? I don't think there's a perfect, but I think that if the allies of World War II, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, and England, did a joint press conference, and they started in 1943, when we know uh, Churchill talked with Eisenhower, and they said something along the lines during World War II, the Prime Minister of England, talking with the Major General from the United States, decided that the world was too rocky and things were too violent and we didn't know what was going to happen in the war and we didn't want to add the layer of extraterrestrials here. Mm -hmm. And now in 2019, we can see that there is great value in introducing humans to the fact that we have allies mm -hmm. and that there are hostiles and we're telling you the truth and that there really are secret wars. And the time has come for you to understand why the Pentagon has used up $21 trillion in black fund money over the last 50 years. If somebody would 
start talking to me on TV like that, I would stop everything I was doing. I would listen. I would think that finally the United States was trying to get back to being the democracy it's supposed to be. It's a fascist nation now. The corporations and the government are joined at the hip. We're only money suppliers through taxes. It's all upside down. Once upon a time, it was supposed to be a government of, by, and for the people. Do you think we're in the matrix or an inverted matrix? I don't know. I've seen the Matrix movies. Um, if we're somebody else's androids, <laughs> I suppose it's all a big computer game. Um, but I said on the panel, mm -hmm. what is really important to me at my core, all of this, because I've been doing it since 79, 40 years, uh, trying to get to the bottom of of animal mutilations, when you, when you boil down all of Earth history as we know it, there has to be a reason for the avatars. There has to be a reason for why there has been a constant drone through buildings and churches about demons, angels, wars in heaven, um, I think that is part of the fabric. Mm -hmm. But I think it's ETs. And that if they made us something else, put the soul in that we have. And that's what I'm fighting for. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for this interview and thank you so much for talking and for all that you do. Thank you. I'm going to hug you. Oh, thank you. Oh, my you. God. Well, this is Carla Cherry for Cosmic Goodie Bag with Linda Moulton Howe and, uh, at Conscious Life Expo. And uh, I'm at a loss of words. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Down with entropy, up with life. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. In my eyes, in this pose, in disguises, no one.
Wash away the rain